Welcome back to the Air It Out podcast. I am your host, per usual, Lucas Shu. Uh, no guest again today. We're still trying to find some extra guests to join the podcast, but we got some topics we're going to talk about. We're going to be talking about uh, raking the sophomore QBs coming into this next season and uh, some breakout sophomores who I think will show and shine this upcoming season. We'll talk about the breakout sophomores initially. We're just going to dive right into it. Number five, we got Chase Winovich. Chase Winovich was drafted last year. He's a sophomore. But uh, he is played at Michigan alongside Roshan Gary, who was the Packers' first-round draft pick. I wasn't a fan of Roshan Gary coming out of the draft due to his lack of skill and lack of technique. He's a physical freak of nature. I'm not taking anything away from Roshan Gary in that aspect because he's giant, he's fast, he's quick, explosive. But he's not very skilled. He doesn't have the pass rushing moves that you need to win in the NFL. You can't be a physical freak of nature like Roshan Gary is and dominate in the NFL. You need some sense of skills. Well, on the other hand, you got Chase Winovich, who's a good athlete. <laughs> not taking away from Chase Winovich, but he has the skills to you can use and you need to win at the NFL level. He can be a guy inside. He can beat him outside. He didn't get a lot of snaps in New England, but but. I think this coming season, with his improved play and his last year showing that he can be a quality edge rusher for an NFL team, I think he's going to show that he can dominate at the NFL level. I mean, not dominate, but he can certainly be a quality pass rusher at the NFL level. I think next year he's going to really show, I can do this, and he can be a quality starter on the Patriots next year. Next up, we got Darnell Savage. Darnell Savage out of Maryland. He was the Packers' other first-round pick besides Roshan Gary. Savage is, to put it, I mean, exactly, he's explosive. He can move with the best of them. He is quick as heck. He can fast as heck. And he can fly to the ball wherever it is on the field. There's plenty of plays on tape you can see from uh, Darnell where it's like a, just a simple bubble screen to the flat or just a simple shot uh, the outside. And you'll see Darnell Savage come flying in from a free safety position or anywhere in the field and just break it up or make a huge hit in the backfield. He is extremely explosive. He just makes some game-breaking, play-making plays that very few players can make in the NFL. And I think this next year, under Donald Savage, uh, he's going to take another leap forward and he's going to improve his coverage abilities and he's going to show that he can be a quality safety for the Packers, in which they already have Adrian Amos. And if you have another guy alongside Adrian Amos and a quality player in Darnell Savage, I think the Packers could have one of the best safety duos in the NFL. Obviously, Darnell Savage probably, probably will not be one of the best safeties in the NFL due to, the, due to there being so many just high-end safeties in the NFL today with guys like Harrison Smith, uh, Jarius Bird, Anthony Harris, Derwin James now came back from injury after being injured the Chargers last year. I think... He may be one of the best safeties in the NFL, but he's just another freak of nature level player. Next up, we got Byron Murphy, a cornerback, Arizona Cardinals. He he wasn't getting a lot of hype heading into the draft last year outside of PFF, who really loved him. But he wasn't getting a lot of just buzz like other guys were, mainly because his skills didn't come in like man coverage skills. Like he wasn't going to line up across like some, a guy on the outside and just lock him up. That wasn't his skill set. He wasn't going to jam your line of scrimmage and stick with you in your route. He wasn't going to match you wherever you went. That's just not him. 
But where he does excel at a great level, in college at least he did, was he was extremely talented in his own coverage. You'd watch him play and you'd go, wow, this guy is smart and he has incredible instincts. He'd make just great plays on the ball and his just knowledge of where everybody is in the field is like, like watching an NBA point guard. An NBA point guard will just know where everybody is in the court at one time. You'll make an exact pass to where it needs to go. But Byron Murphy is... He knows where all the receivers are going to be at one time. He can make a great play in the ball. And last year he wasn't as good. But I think with cornerback being so volatile and being just one of the positions where sometimes things just break for you the wrong way because that's the nature of the position and it's the nature of defense. Because at cornerback, you can make the perfect play in coverage. You can be smothering a guy completely. You give him barely any room. You give him like an inch of room to make a catch. And he can still make a catch with that inch of space. Sometimes that just happens to you. That's just how cornerback goes. And I think another year with Byron Murphy in that system in Arizona, alongside Patrick Peterson, I think he's going to take another step forward in development. And he's going to give the Cardinals another boost to that defense, which they really helped that defense this year with the addition of Isaiah Simmons and another year of Byron Murphy. I think he could be a quality defense this next coming year. Next, we got Jeffrey Simmons, uh, Mississippi State uh, interior defensive lineman for the Tennessee Titans now. He didn't play a lot with the uh, Titans a lot due to Jarrell Casey being there and Jarrell Casey being one of the long-time quality interior defensive linemen and being one of the long-time uh, interior linemen for the Tennessee Titans themselves. But Jarrell Casey, uh, if you don't know, as of last year, this past offseason, got traded away to Denver Broncos. We covered that in the last podcast. Go check that out after you're done listening to this one. But Jarrell Casey's now gone, now in Denver. So it's going to leave an opening at the interior defensive line position. And I think what Tennessee saw in Jeffrey Simmons is kind of what I saw in Jeffrey Simmons. Then that's why they traded away Jarrell Casey. I think that's why they're comfortable with it. Like, all right, Jarrell's getting older. He played great for us in his prime, but we don't think he can do it anymore. But we got this guy... And Jeffrey Simmons, who we know can be a quality player at the NFL level, and he showed it last year. At Mississippi State, Simmons was one of my favorite interior defensive linemen coming into the draft. He's extremely explosive. He's got great pass rushing moves to win at the next level. And I think he, I had him above Ed Oliver. Uh, granted, Ed Oliver was in a crappy position at Houston because they lined him up as like a nose tackle directly over the center of literally every play instead of lining him up literally elsewhere. You put him, they put him in a terrible position to succeed, but nonetheless, uh, Jeffrey Simmons, I believe, is one of the best players coming out last year, and he only played till week seven because I believe him an injury beforehand, but he showed why people loved him a lot. I liked him a lot. PFF liked, liked him a lot. He was one of the top interior defensive linemen on their big board and their draft rankings, uh, but he's an extremely skilled pass rusher. He didn't show a lot of that pass rushing prowess uh, this past year in the NFL. He showed a lot of run-stopping ability, uh, which won't help you in the NFL a ton. It, it's honestly a quality to have, and it's not a bad quality to have. You want to be good at everything, obviously, but value in terms of pass rushing ability compared to run-stopping ability is way more. You want to be a better pass rusher than you do a run-stopper. Defensive interior defensive line may be a different story, Uh Obviously, being good at run stopping as an interior defensive lineman always helps, but I'd rather have a guy who is a very skilled pass rusher 
just due to the nature of the NFL today and how it's a heavy, heavy passing uh, league now. And I want a guy who's more mobile, mobile com- to be able to compete with these quick, shifty guys like your Christian McCaffrey is like just these guys who are be able to sh- juke you and sh- shake you out of your shoes rather than knock you out of your shoes with trucking ability. And I think Jeffrey Simmons could be that guy. And I think he could be a quality player at the next level, especially, especially now that Jarrell Casey is out of Tennessee and he's going to have more room to get more snaps with Tennessee. Last guy is Deontay Johnson. Another uh, guy, another PFF favorite. Uh, Deontay Johnson, he was an interest. He's an interesting player because he has a ton of potential, and I think he could reach a potential. He just has a little bit of a drops problem, but I think he could be one of the best players, especially at the receiver position, in this class. He has some of the best receiving skill sets in that whole class last year. In this whole sophomore class, he has an incredible receiving skill set. He's got great hands, great movement ability, great off the line of scrimmage. He knows how to create separation. On my Twitter page, uh, LucasShoe2, the number two, I showed clips of Deontay Johnson, and he is a freak of nature. Eric Crocker on Twitter showed it too, uh, at Crocker Report, I believe it is. And there's one play against uh, Pat Peterson, who one of the best premier man coverage corners in the NFL for the past five or so years, in the past ten or so years since he came into the NFL. There's one play where he made an outbreaking route against Patrick Peterson. And Patrick Peterson, I think, underestimated him. And Deontay Johnson just torched him for like a 15, 20-yard play. I believe it was the first one he put up there. And he just showed he can do this against quality talent at the NFL level, high-quality talent at the NFL level, and Patrick Peterson too. And if he can do this consistently and can kind of just get it everything together at once, he can be a dominant, dominant player in the NFL. And one thing that's really underrated about him is his yak ability. I like people talk about his hand usage and his uh, receiving ability and just uh, movement skills in general, which I think is his best trait. But one trait that doesn't get talked about enough is his yak ability. I think his receiving skill set with his footwork and everything transitioned pretty much into his yak ability because his footwork when he's with the ball in his hands, he is hard to tackle. Not because he's a big, strong dude, not because he's going to knock you to the ground, but he is shifty. There's one play where he caught the ball on the right side, just over a uh, shot to the flat, and he stopped, cut it back all the way to the left side, like just completely flipped the side of the field, Make a guy miss, made another guy miss, and got tackled at the two-yard line. He got like 22 yards out of a play that should have been three yards. And he flipped the sides of the field, too. Deontay Johnson does not get talked about enough with his yak ability and his ability to just create after the catch. And when you mix that with his ability to create separation and have great hand usage and all these other quality receiving abilities... He can be one of the best receivers in the NFL. He's potential to be the, one of the best receivers in the NFL, that is, I should say. Obviously, he's at the perfect player in the world. He's got his hands issues. He's got consistency issues with receiving the ball overall. But if he's able to work on that and able to improve on his hands and just get more consistency, he doesn't need to be later for Gerald. He doesn't need to be a guy who's going to just catch everything you throw at him. But if he's at least consistent with it and can catch the ball at quality level, he could be a dominant receiver in the NFL just because he can separate and he can uh, knows how to work leverage. He knows how to use his hands to work D-backs away from his body. He can be one of the best receivers in the NFL, but nobody's talking about him. 
think it's fair because he's not he, he's not there yet. But to have no talk at all, I think is a little surprising to me because he can be one of the best receivers in the NFL and a top tier receiver at that. Uh, done talking about the sophomores, uh, Deontay Johnson, Jeffrey Simmons, Byron Murphy, Darnell Savage, and Chase Winovich. Now we're going to the sophomore QBs. This QB class was, it was an interesting one in the fact that there was a one clear-cut guy above the rest, to me. One guy, it's like the one, and then another, like a gap, and then everybody else. And we're just going to go through five through one. Five, we got Drew Locke. Drew Locke, we didn't get to see a lot of with Denver, mainly because Denver traded for Joe Flacco. I can't remember if that was before the Drew Locke draft, or before the draft in general, or after. But nonetheless, Denver traded for uh, Joe Flacco. He ended up getting a herniated back a couple of weeks into the season, and they had to pull him out. But instead of Drew Locke going into the lineup for Denver and being their starting QB, it was Brandon Allen, who was like a 25, 26-year-old rookie. But uh, Brandon, he played. He was, quite, he was okay. He was just kind of a, almost, not, I don't want to say a system QB, but he certainly was not a quality QB, to put it nicely. And the reason that Brandon Allen went in instead of Drew Locke was because Drew Locke was hurt for the time being. I can't remember what kind of injury he had, but he got hurt early in the year and he wasn't completely healthy yet, so Denver didn't want to go, all right, we're going to throw a second-round QB in there, even though he's hurt. They wanted to give him a little bit of time to rest, get him ready for the uh, the game to come up, and then let him go. And when Drew Locke did play, he was a hit and miss. He had games of quality play that goes, okay, this guy can be your guy. He's hitting guys over the middle of the field. He's hitting guys downfield. He goes, okay, he's a quality player. And you give him a clean shot, he'll rip one down on you. You can't give him a clean shot. But then he had just plays where, like, what are you doing, Drew? And he just errant throw or a dumb decision. Just He played like you would expect of a rookie. It was just he needs to learn, obviously. There's not a lot we saw of him yet, so it's hard to make a definitive opinion on Drew Locke himself. But... He has the ability to be a quality player. It's just, will it get there or not? I don't know, but I think I put him at five because it's hard to make a decision on, is he really good? Is he really bad? Even though he's five, I don't think he's that bad of a quarterback. I think we need to see more film on him to determine how good of a quarterback is this guy. He played like a rookie. He played like you would expect. It wasn't terrible. It wasn't great, but it's just, eh. Number four, we got Daniel Jones, the QB out of uh, New York. Not out of New York, but plays for the New York Giants. Uh, Daniel Jones took over for Eli last year as a new QB, new QB for the New York Giants. And uh, in the first game, he actually looked good. And the New York Giants social media team and Twitter team made sure to know that, uh, to tweet out everybody who ever said Daniel Jones is bad, they made sure to call them out and just destroy them. But then the season got on later on, and it wasn't the same story. Daniel Jones is not the guy he was in week, uh, his first week in the NFL season. And he's very similar to Eli in the fact that it's going to be uh, very volatile. In the fact that you're going to get seasons of or games of just, wow, there's that guy. He's going to throw like three touchdowns, 300 plus yards, and he's going to go, there's our QB we wanted. That's him. 
But then, on the other hand, you're going to get games of like 220 yards, touchdown, two picks, and a fumble. And you go, what just happened? And that's similar to Eli in the fact that Eli had the like those little shrieks of go, going just like 300 yards a game, two, 290, 325, the three touchdowns, two touchdowns. And games like that where it's just, you see why people fall in love with Eli and go, he's a top 10 QB or he's a top 5 QB, whatever they thought of him. You see those games, but then Eli would have games where it's just, what is he doing out here? And he throws just interception after interception and he can't make a throw, it seems like. And he's like, what are we doing out here? I think you're going to get the same thing out of Daniel Jones. I think it's going to be, Daniel Jones is going to throw games like just Aaron throws. And he's not the guy yet. And there's plenty of stats. I remember watching an NFL broadcast one of these days last year and saying Daniel Jones has, hasn't thrown an interception in yada, 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 uh, pass attempts. And I'm like, yeah, great. Uh, he didn't throw an interception, good for him, obviously. But when you watch the film and look at Daniel Jones, you're going to go, okay, he didn't throw interceptions in how many uh, pass attempts they said, but a lot of them should have been picked off. I feel like Daniel Jones had so many possible interceptions that just weren't caught and <laughs> the defender just dropped or whatever happened. They should have been caught. And he's got lucky, kind of. He's got this lucky that nobody caught it and it doesn't go down as an interception in the stats, and it doesn't affect anything. But when you watch a film, you're going to see guys just dropping balls left and right. I think this next year, you might see his interception total tick up by quite a bit, just because I don't think that's sustainable. If he does that again this coming year, it's going to skyrocket upwards. You're not going to get guys drop like 10 interceptions on you in one season. It's not going to happen. You're going to get guys, 8 of those 10 are going to get caught. And the big problem, another big problem with Daniel Jones is his like pocket presence. He, I don't know if he just doesn't know defenders are there. Like an, he, I don't know if he doesn't know Edgerton exists as a position in the NFL. I don't know what he's thinking. But there'd be plays where an edge rusher literally just knocks him to the ground and he doesn't make an effort to even get out of the way or throw away the ball. Or even like recognize hey, I'm going to be sacked. Let's do something with it. He just gets hit out of nowhere and he gets up like, where did he come from? Who Was that a ghost? He just doesn't recognize it. He got like blinders on almost and Joe Flacco-esque. And the fact that he just goes, I'm just going to find a guy to wait for me to get open. Just going to pat the ball, pat the ball, pat the ball. Oh, I got hit. And takes like five seconds and his offensive line is like, Daniel, what are we doing here? Either throw the ball or make a play of the ball don't just stand here while an edge rusher comes flying off the edge and he just hits you. You gotta make a movement with the ball. You gotta do something with it. You can't just stand there with the ball and just get hit. And what Daniel Jones does have his negatives. He has some positive plays about him. Like I said, like you look at those Eli Manning-esque stretches of play where it's, he's hitting guys intermediate. He's hitting guys like on 30-yard uh, deep, deep balls. He's making quality plays. He has that ability. And I think there will be games of just quality play from Daniel Jones. I'm not a big fan of him, but it's there in his game, clearly. But he's going to really need to get work on those negative aspects of his game. Because it's positive, but those negatives are really, really holding him back. If he can cut those in half, I know how hard that is. But if he can cut like the turnovers in half, cut the terrible throws in half, you're going to get a different player. And I know that's a bit of a stretch, and it's easier said than done. But 
he has potential to be a quality player at the NFL level. I don't know if he'll ever reach that level in the NFL, but I think he could, could be a Eli Manning light kind of player. Dan Jones at number four, Drew Duck was number five. I forgot if I mentioned that. Next, we got Gardner Minshew. Minshew was in a weird situation in Jacksonville last year, similar to Drew Locke's situation, in that his team brought in a veteran player. Drew Locke had uh, Joe Flacco with him, as uh, the Broncos traded for uh, Joe Flacco from the Ravens. But Gardner Minshew had uh, Nick Foles, who the Jaguars signed from Philadelphia, and they offered him some astronomical contract. Nothing like record-breaking, but it seemed like they were almost negotiating against themselves. It, I, I don't know what they were doing, but... I don't, I, more power to them, I guess? Spending money just to spend money or something? I don't know. But they paid Nick Foles quite a bit of money. Everybody's excited going, okay, Nick is out of the Philadelphia. He's got his money. He's going to turn around the Jaguars. They still got Jalen Ramsey at the time. They still had A.J. Bouye at the time. Cleus Campbell is still there. Yannick Ngakwa goes and pissed off at the Jaguars. Everybody's excited. Like, all right, Nick Foles, time to shine. He's going to do it. He's going to lead this team to the playoffs. Week one comes around, broken collarbone. What's going on in Jacksonville? Now they don't have the guy they just paid a ton of money for uh, starting for them. But luckily for the Jaguars, they drafted Gardner Minshew, Washington State. Gardner Minshew is a very talented QB. Very talented QB. He has, he's very accurate with the ball. He's great, great place on the ball, and he makes plays that are just really, really good plays. Like it's hard to deny him because he just places them really well. He puts them where they need to be. He leads guys away from like the safety. He leads them away from the cornerbacks. He's got great timing. The best of the best attribute about him is his timing. He'll hit guys before they even go on the breaks, and the ball will just hit him perfectly in stride because he knows where they're gonna be before they even break. And having that ability uh, really helps out his lack of arm strength and his negatives. He doesn't have a big arm whatsoever, and he won't really challenge you down the field often because of his lack of a giant arm. He, If you give him a free shot down the field and nobody's there, he's going to take it. I'm not saying he's he's a Teddy Bridgewater or just some guy who won't even throw down field. He'll throw down field if you give him the opportunity. He will take that on you. But he won't test you. He won't if you give him a little bit. He might not take it. If it's a guy over top, if it's a cover two, and he won't, he, he might not take it. But if he cover one, he's got a guy running a deep route on the outside. He might throw it down the field because he's got great placement with the ball. But the one thing that he really struggles with is his arm strength because he he's not able to fit those tight ones in the tight corners that he needs to be, or be able to chuck it downfield past the safety's head like he can or not can like he should be able to at the NFL level. I think teams may pick up on that next year and go and just dropping down the uh, coverage guy, dropping down the linebackers, making everything play in front of them, making everything play above and make him throw those deep balls and make him test them to throw them down there, test, throw down the field. And I think Gardner may struggle with that next year if teams do decide to do that. I'm not sure if they're going to do that, but I think that may be a viable strategy against Gardner. You saw teams kind of do that last year after his first game of playing great. Uh... He kind of struggled a little bit. He has ups and downs like a rookie QB does. But his accuracy was still there. And his accuracy is just, it's really good. But his arm strength is also going to hold him back. And I think he gave me a quality quarterback at the next level. But I'm not sure if he'll ever reach the top tier 
QB just because his arm strength is it's not ideal for an NFL QB. I don't think he has the ability that Drew Brees does of where he can pick you apart over the middle of the field and underneath an intermediate with his accuracy and timing. He has great accuracy and great timing, but not at an all-time level like Drew Brees does. But he's nonetheless good QB, and that situation still weird in Jacksonville. Nick, Nick Foles now being gone. So I'm guessing they're giving the reins to Gardner Minshew, but it's going to be hard to see, interesting to see how Gardner does, especially with how Jacksonville drafted this past year. If you don't know, Jacksonville basically went all athletes, essentially. C.J. Henderson, Caleb on Chase on, uh, Ben Barch, they just drafted guys who need time to develop because they're physical freaks of nature and they can move with the best of them and they can win any combine any day of the week. But they need time to develop their skills and it seems like Jacksonville, maybe, maybe they do believe in these guys and they're thinking, you guys will be good this coming year. We're building up a team. But it seems like they're preparing for not this coming year, but the year after that. And it seems like they may be tanking for Trevor Lawrence or taking for Justin Fields, Trey Lance, one of these guys, one of these high-end QBs. It seems like things with Gardner may not be perfect in Jacksonville. I like him, but I'm not sure Jacksonville sold on him completely just based on their moves this offseason. They even traded away three of their key players on defense. They traded away A.J. Bouye uh, to uh, Denver. They traded away Clayus Campbell to Baltimore. And then in the regular season, they traded away Jalen Ramsey to L.A. for first-round pick, which I believe they used in Caleb on Chase on, which I've seen how you pronounce that name. But it seems like they're just going heavy rebuild, and either they're going to go a heavy rebuild and give Gardner more weapons to work with, or they're going to go a heavy rebuild and kick out Gardner and trade him away and draft a Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, uh, Trey Lance kind of player. Only time will tell. See how the season plays out for Jacksonville. Number two is Dwayne Haskins. Dwayne Haskins, it was... He had a rough start to the season. Rough. They threw him into the fire off an injury, and he just struggled. He got very little game time. You're really prepped for game time, and he struggled. I mean, what else do you expect of uh, Ricky QB at the time to do in the NFL when you barely give him any game time? It's one of his first games in the NFL, and you throw him into the fire, and you already don't have uh, Trent Williams, I don't think, was there at the time. And you don't have a quality receiving core besides uh, Terry McLaren, who Terry McLaurin, McLaren, McLaurin, however it's pronounced. But you only have Terry McLaurin with him, and you got nobody else for him. What do you expect of him to do with that kind of supporting cast around him? And it, he just struggled initially, but later on, he got his feet under him. He became more comfortable in the NFL, and he actually started making legit throws. He had some zip on some of those throws, and it was really impressive. He made quality throws over the middle of the field. He was putting balls where they needed to be. His accuracy looked good, and he looked like a quality player. He just struggled early on, and I think a lot of people wrote him off because of that, which I get. I mean, a couple of games in the NFL, and you're written off already because of how the media works and how everything works in the NFL. You only got 16 games in a season. If you're going to be terrible, you're not going to get starting time. But Dwayne Haskins showed some promise, at least. 
He showed, I can be a quality NFL quarterback for you at the next level. And I can make plays. He just needs a better receiving core. He needs somebody outside Terry McLaurin to be able to get open for him. Terry McLaurin probably is going to be a receiving or high-end receiver one when his prime comes. But he's going to need somebody else to work with. He's going to need like a tight end. He's going to need an additional receiver to work with. He's going to need somebody to work with with him. He can't just survive with Terry McLaurin because he's going to get killed. It's going to be a, maybe a middling quarterback at best. But you give him another QB to work with, or no, excuse me, another QB to work with, another receiver to work with, another quality receiver to work with, it could be a whole different story for Dwayne Haskins. It could be a premier uh, QB in the NFL. Finally, Kyler Murray. Who else was it going to be besides Kyler Murray? I mean, he's one of the best QBs. Uh, I mean, not one of those QBs, but he played incredible for the Arizona Cardinals. Cliff Kingsbury's offense is very uh, spread-oriented, rarely any running backs, not a lot of tight ends, and it was clearly going to be a pass-heavy offense. And Kyler Murray worked with it pretty well. He made a lot of special throws, just over-the-shoulders, intermediate throws, plays that franchise QBs make. Like, just incredible, incredible throws. And it seemed like the Cardinals made the right decision getting rid of Josh Rosen and sending him to... Uh, Miami. There's a huge controversy before the draft even started where it's like are the Cardinals going to move on from then rookie QB Josh Rosen? Are they going to leave the guy after one year? Are they really going to do this? Kyler Murray is a really good prospect and PFF was hammering on him saying do this. If you believe that's your guy and Josh Rosen didn't show he's the guy go get Kyler Murray. It's not a terrible idea. And there's a lot of back and forth saying, oh, Cardinals should do this. Kyler Murray is a guy. He's really good, really talented. Then people were saying, well, Josh Rosen only had one year, and he was playing with a terrible team and terrible offensive line, and he got crushed out there. Ultimately, the Cardinals did choose Kyler Murray, and I think it's the right decision. And even with the terrible group around him, Kyler Murray had the O-line, or an approved O-line, nothing great still, though. Kyler Murray showed, I can be a quality quarterback for you and he had to show a great scrambling ability and great uh, escapability in the pocket although at times it was a little much he did a little too much with his feet instead of just getting rid of the ball or taking off past the line of scrimmage he kind of just danced around which sometimes that worked sometimes you'd get a highlight real play out of that but more often than not you'd get plays of him just getting a hit or making a dumb decision in the backfield but when you saw the peaks of Kyler Murray you saw okay that's the guy we wanted. And you saw there's zips over the middle of the field, uh, hit trots on the outside. He's just hitting guys everywhere in the field. And you saw that skill that Kyler Murray has and that Kingsbury wanted. And I think in a couple of years from now, Kyler Murray could be a, a very top-tier quarterback, a top-10 quarterback in the NFL, just because he has that zip on the ball that rarely any QBs do. He has accuracy, too. And he has the ability to create, create uh, if pressure comes uh, necessary. He can just get the pocket. He can throw on the run. And he has that quality, quality ability. Uh, thank you for tuning in, guys. I knew it was a short podcast. There wasn't a lot to talk about right now in the NFL. Always looking for content. Uh, if you want to hop on the podcast and want to be a guest in the podcast, feel free to DM the podcast account itself on Twitter, at the Pod. Or feel free to DM my personal account, which is at LucasShoe2, 
L-U-C-A-S, S-C-H-U-H, and the number two, not T-W-O, just the number two. Uh, but yes, feel free to DM me if you want to join the podcast. Thanks for listening again, guys. See you later.